0: And now for your listening pleasure, here's Polizzi and Rose, covering the week of media, marketing, and digital content news.
1: This old marketing. Take it away, boys. Well, hello, my friends. Welcome to this old marketing, proudly brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. I'm Robert Rose, and welcome to episode number 410, 410 episodes of this nonsense for Friday, January 12th, 2024. And with me, as always, as he always is, my friend, my colleague, and let's just face it, a guy who's not going to get into the middle of this Jimmy Kimmel, Aaron Rodgers beef, Mr. Joe Pulitzi. Isn't that yeah, the strangest thing? It's the it's 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 good comedy. It, it's 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 good comedy. That's for sure. I mean, there's there's a there's a meme going around of Pat McAfee's face as Aaron Rodgers is going off on that, and it's just he's you could just see the discomfort in his eyes just like oh my oh. god yeah i can like see my career flashing before my eyes
0: yeah he, i mean <clears throat> as as a sports broadcaster and podcaster that's the last thing you want to do is have your guest take it off the rails into <laughs> exactly. some political mess by yeah. the way for, for people that don't know and you know, pat McAfee's show is on espn
1: yeah regularly has
0: yeah. <laughs> jets quarterback aaron Rodgers on the show
1: that seems and just that was just weird for you to hear. Just by the way, that was just weird to hear. Well, right, reg- it's a regular back, Aaron Rodgers. Okay, reg- yeah, yeah, exactly right. Regular
0: guest on the show, and apparently, um, Aaron went off on Jimmy, well, went off on the Epstein thing, the list, the pedophilia, all that stuff, and then sure. mentioned that Jimmy Kimmel's going to be concerned about this. Well, Jimmy Kimmel. Did not sit back and just take this. He <laughs> no, went, he did not. <laughs> and he said, You've got no proof on this. And then it went back and forth. And then ESPN <clears throat> got involved. A number of people, I think, really yeah. concerned about Aaron Rodgers, you know, putting his conspiracy theories on ESPN's network. Yeah. And I think as of we re- were recording this right now, McAfee has said that Aaron is not g- coming back to the show anytime soon. Yeah, well, I mean, it's a little
1: bit of a that. misnomer, right? Because the show is done. <laughs>
0: you know, the show is well, done yeah, for the he's, season. He's done with yeah. his season, right. so it's he's like, not pretty right. good for his regular. <laughs> right?
1: He won't be on next week, folks. We won't be here either, but he won't be on <laughs> next week. <laughs> no, we're going to yeah.
0: talk about this later in the in the episode. Yeah. But it's really interesting how powerful and influential these content creators are and actually the decision that ESPN made back when they made all these cutbacks on their regular talent and then pulled a professional podcaster in that already had a show into the ESPN lineup of shows and it's become very popular. I mean, well,
1: I mean, so here here, it's also a caution. I mean, and yes, we'll get to it. I mean, we have a whole chunky piece for this um, coming up, but uh, it's also a commentary on influencers because let's not forget that Pat McAfee, Nobody knew who the hell he was. And, well, and he had his and the, he had
0: pretty powerful. No, no hold on. Audience. Hold on. I'll get,
1: yeah. No, I, no, no, no. What I'm saying is, is that nobody knew who he was. He sort of came out of nowhere with his YouTube show mm. and his podcast. But the reason, one of the main reasons that his YouTube channel and his podcast got to be as successful as it was, was because he had Aaron Rodgers on the show just about every week. And Aaron would say something, you know, have some he comment Rogers-ish. about football. Yeah. Well, he would talk about football. I mean, he would talk about sports and, and, and offer up commentary on what's going on in the NFL and what would, you know, you think about this and what, you know, during his whole, you know, was he going to go to the jets? Was he not going to go to the jets? Yeah. All that stuff gave him tons of audience. And, and you got to figure at that point, McAfee's going, yes, you know, this is great for my business. But then <laughs> then your main, you know, your main sort of regular guest host, guest star basically turns out to be, you know, you know, a little cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs. And, you know, it's it, 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 it goes awry quickly. So I guess the question is,
0: once the season starts, I'm assuming Aaron Rodgers is coming back to the Jets and we'll start if he's healthy, the home opener. Of 24, <laughs> right. do do you think that McAfee will then have him back on? I think uh, probably by that time the answer is yes. Yeah, I but. think so.
1: I think my that would be my guess is that they'll at least test it to see if 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 people remember because people, I mean, he was at, like remember he was Aaron Rodgers was in the news. Uh, it was about this time last year for his man, was it last year or the year before. Uh, it, either last year or the year before about his his when he lied about you know getting vaccinated Oh, the, the vaccine well that's yeah yeah
0: i think yeah. he should run for president
1: <laughs> i think well, that's the only he, sane. He thing he fits right into happen. the platform that's for sure it should
0: it could really yeah exactly well before we get on to our show we've got a lot to to cover this we do have it's, it's, you know it's funny new year everybody comes about with their news yeah and crazy things happen But we must talk about football. So for those people, for a moment, for those of our listeners that don't like when we talk about the NFL, you can you can forward ahead five minutes. Yeah, because we're talking about this because this is something that hasn't happened in a long, long time where the Cowboys and the Browns are both in the playoffs. That's right. It's a big deal. Now, you have a home matchup. Because that's correct. Philadelphia just disintegrated in front of our eyes. I don't know what's
1: happened to Philadelphia. They have just imploded. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It's been kind of fun to watch, but yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Maybe they're just not. Well, we talked about this a couple episodes ago. Do you can you visualize or do you know of another sideline that looks more miserable than the Eagles? They're all upset. Yeah. They all look like they somebody peed in their Cheerios. I mean, right. it's just like, what is wrong they, with all you people?
1: They all have resting sad face. I mean, yes. for sure, yes, it, they all horrible. have resting sad face. Um,
0: but so who? So you're you're who are you playing? Give give the rundown and your thirty <laughs> second spiel on what's going to happen with the Cowboys. All right.
1: Game. So well, the, the the because of the Eagles meltdown, uh, the Cowboys and, and because they won and I don't want to hear it. Don't at me about the whole end of the Detroit games. It's just, it's, wee, it's just, uh, yeah. so <laughs> right. Because of that, the Cowboys have the number two seed, which means they get a home game and multiple home games. If they win, yes, um, right. is, uh, they'll, they'll play the green Bay Packers because the green Bay Packers, of course, have been on a hot streak. They've won, uh, the, um, and and the LA Rams also got into the playoffs, but they they because of the rankings and they play they go, the Lions. They go off and play, play the, the Lions Packers. exactly. Okay, exactly. So it's a home game. If Cowboys fans are super happy about that, we are undefeated at home over the last two seasons. So we're sixteen and zero right now in the home games. So home games are hugely important. Um, everybody seems to think this is a game that I mean they are you know Packers are the number seven seed so. It, you know, they're basically it should be a it should be a very winnable game. Let's put it that way. Um, and uh, yeah. And then if they win, they get another home game against. I think I always get a little confused with this. I think they get whoever wins the Detroit and uh, Rams. Um, and that should be Detroit. So probably a rematch in, uh, from Detroit will, is in order for. Two oh, weeks I, right and now. I
0: bet. Yeah, I bet you the Lions will be. I I honestly I, and I really want the Lions to win because they're the underdog and they haven't been there in forever, yeah. but I really feel the Rams are going to win that game. So sorry to my Detroit fans might. out there. They might, the Rams are playing very well. Rams right? are playing hot when, and we played them recently too. And they, I mean, they're, they're for real and they've yeah. got their, they've got their wide receivers back and, and they got that new rookie.
1: Uh, the rookie the running receiver. back is just on fire. right well, now. Well,
0: the, the running yeah. back and the receiver, they've got just, yeah. they're very, very talented. So we'll yeah. see uh, what happens there. So uh, the, this fifth seed even though we had the second best record in the AFC tied for we we go to the fifth seed because the ravens won the division of course the cleveland yeah. browns got the fifth seed first wild card position and they will be at the houston texans uh, with cj stroud leading the way and we'll see what happens uh you know i mean uh behind our savior joe flacco i mean yep. uh, what what <laughs> what what should we expect um i'm expecting a win I believe that the Browns are the better team. Yep, they are. I believe if the Browns have ever I believe that if the Browns have all their uh all the they're healthy. If they're healthy and they're all working well as a team, I think they can beat anybody in the league right yeah. now. Um but <laughs> the Browns may be Browns and we'll see what happens. So fingers crossed. And I ha- and unfortunately I'm gonna have to root for the Steelers to beat the Bills. Oh, because yeah. because we want if they're not going can,
1: to but it would be fun it'll be fun it would be great it. because
0: yeah. <laughs> there's a pause poss- I would love to see a home game
1: yeah but I don't want to
0: get there because all I want to do is win this game in Houston the first yeah. game up Houston Saturday yeah 4 30 p.m Eastern time there you go so we'll see I'm I'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's gonna it's going close I'm gonna say Brown's 34 Texans 28. okay is all what right. I'm feeling. All right. I would love to say it'd be like 41 to two, but that never happens with the Browns. It's always close. Yeah. Yeah. Go. That's it. Yeah. I All mean, right. I'm sure you're thinking 49ers Cowboys uh, for the NFC championship game.
1: You know, I'm actually hoping it's not, but, but yes, I, I, I would like to, to see the 49ers get eliminated before then. Um, and because of the seeding and the way things work, that's really the only time we would face them is if, both of us got to NFC championship game. So uh, I would love to see one of the teams along the way, take out the 49ers, but they're, you know, they're just a great team. They're just, they're just a great team.
0: If they don't have any, if uh, they didn't have
1: that deficiencies, a hole Kittle on the team, I would like them a lot more. (laughs) Tell us how you really feel. Well, the good news is
0: is Kittle doesn't like the Cowboys either. No, he does not. That is clear. That is clear.
1: He has a t shirt and everything. So uh, yeah, yeah.
0: No, the last thing I'll say about it, did you see the weather in Kansas City for the Kansas City Miami game? They no. said it they said there's a chance it's gonna be the coldest game ever played in Kansas City.
1: Oh and my that's god. It's gotta
0: be really cold. <laughs> there you go. So uh good luck to those people going to that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Brody might be going. You're you know our, yeah,
1: our, no, no. I have to big, imagine all those guys are going. Big, yeah, big for Chiefs sure. fan. Yeah, yeah, so anyways. So that's it. Should that's we? That's uh, All right. Yeah, let's get to a show. We, we went to exactly five minutes there, so to talk about the NFL. So those of you who fast forward, yeah, welcome, welcome back, welcome back. <laughs> and you other listeners. We've got a, a great and wonderful show for you, chock full of news here. Uh, we will talk a little bit about uh, CES. Um, and uh, because CES has been going on all week, and we're going to talk a little bit about AI and influencers and media, which is kind of a new thing for CES, and we're going to pair that with a really interesting story on how creators and the business model is changing here in 2024 and Basically, does the creator need the business or does the business need the creator? And we'll talk a little bit more about what that means. Then uh, we will talk about Netflix and Amazon and all of the streaming networks that seem to be in cost cutting mode, just like at the early part of last year. We saw all the tech company starting to cut costs. Well, we're starting to see a similar trend now with all the streaming platforms, which should surprise exactly no one. Then if we have time, we will talk about CNBC and how they're starting to offer online education. Yeah, that's a news channel offering online education. We'll get to a question. One of our uh, friends and family of the show has asked us a question that we'll take from the audience. And of course, then we'll get to our rants and raves where I will have some commentary about the deprecation of the third-party cookie from google uh and you know, surprise i mean if you shouldn't be surprised that i'm talking about that and then joe will talk about a new women's only sports bar uh and perhaps rant a little bit about the article itself that sort of mentions this thing so Most just likely. a fun show full of media great show We're done great with football Twenty twenty-four. Yeah. yeah exactly it should be right, a great great way to all right, let's get to our first story and jump right in. And it comes to us courtesy of Digiday, and the basically we've got two stories as I mentioned to pair here. The first one is about Digiday, and it, they've, it's CES 24 kicks off with a rapidly expanding impact of AI, media, and the marketing. Uh, front and basically the article well as it opens up it says it will surprise no one attending the 2024 consumer electronic show by the way the consumer electronic show is just huge this year it's, it's just it's always big but it's just absolutely huge is it this bigger year.
0: than is it is it hitting records here like how big are we i have
1: not heard know? any attendance records but i do i do know that it is it is really big there is i, like, I want to check on that there. i want
0: to see if it's back to like 2019 yeah numbers yeah. or something okay go ahead
1: anyway opens up and says ai will be stealing the spotlight this week um but interestingly a number of the ai providers are not there namely microsoft isn't there um they're just doing a little microsite and um uh, and and basically a number of the other major ai players aren't there but there are some there including amazon etc. And it says, while CES 2024 will have dozens of sessions related to AI, there are also plenty of AI talks about marketing, social media, entertainment, and media, of course. And then basically, the ubiquity of AI is talked about a little bit, but then they get into the idea of marketing and media being there. And Omnicom is actually highlighting influencers and creators as its CES focus. And that's a fascinating new idea here where Omnicom is coming in and talking about the world of content creators, coming in and talking about influencers. um, And they're basically launching this big study that they did uh, at the end of last year to talk about the idea of how it's connecting its agency and its services into the influencer and content creator marketplace. So we'll pair that. And then I'm going to get Joe's take on all of this. We're going to pair that with another story that comes out of one of our favorite newsletters, which is a media operator. Um, and it, it the, the newsletter itself starts off with basically a, a question of what's next for uh, the messenger. Um, and uh, it talks about the messenger being out of time and and nearly out of money and, and, and all of that. But then it gets into a really interesting discussion, which pairs well with this CES thing, which talks about the creators and carrying key person risks. Um, and, as the newsletter says, there's a good story in Semaphore about the struggles of a media company Will Smith and Jada Pinkett Smith own. Westbrook having been since uh, uh, <laughs> has been having since the the slap, which I love the fact that he capitalized that. Yeah. Um, that's the, of course the Oscars slap about almost exactly a year ago, and basically they say that the it's struggling. The the show is struggling, and the and they acknowledge that. And, start, and, and some of that has to do with that the is it the people that people are coming to see or is it the show or the business or the media company that people are coming to see? And as he says here in his newsletter, the argument has always been that people like people. And so the creator economy has the belief that an audience would feel a much tighter connection to said creator, thus making it a stronger business. And yet a creator is a key person. In other words, there's massive key person risk where one or few people possess all the knowledge or skills with a creator business. So basically, and he uses himself as an example, he says, if I leave a media operator, the business is dead. So the problem is basically that the key person in a content creator kind of business weakens the company because there is all the risk is basically born buy your one key asset, which of course is the person. It's a fascinating thing in the context of uh, everything we just talked about with Pat McAfee and the show and, and all of that, and also certainly has to do with Omnicom and their influencer and all of that sort of coming together. So bringing all those sort of points of data together, Joe, what what is your take on the content creator business? and where and how to sort of, I guess, mitigate that risk or create that value or whatever, whatever the sort of mandate is here. Yeah,
0: it's interesting. I, I just, I had a discussion with a bunch of content entrepreneurs, and we were talking about the difference between the creator business and a media business in and of itself. And from a business model standpoint, you and I know there's no difference at all. It's the same right. thing. You build that's an audience right. that knows, likes, and trusts you. You build some kind of a base. That's a podcast, newsletter, whatever. And then you drive revenue mostly through media type revenue channels, like you, you miss sponsorship or events or subscriptions or whatever. So that's what a media business does. And we'll talk more about that later. The difference is, is that a media company has multiple voices. That's really it. So if you look at uh, risk, and you just have a creator, one creator, and whether whether or not uh, that creator believes they're a media company or not, if you're just one creator, you're probably not a media business, right? Because you don't have an asset outside yourself. And you and I know this really well. I mean, when we were, you know, when I said, Hey, I want to, sell content marketing institute we talked about it is is joe too much part of the business and will somebody want to purchase cmi because it it might be the joe show well lucky it wasn't (laughs) and and cmi's just done just fine without me and that's how you build an asset you bring in other voices like you had very strong voice on the podcast uh with your regular columns and cmi we had a number of wonderful editors and guest contributors and it all worked together as sort of a community of creators if you will and i think that if you're a creator today you need to be thinking about how do i get to a media business model as quickly as possible what's interesting about what omnicom is doing is they're basically saying okay well we're not going to put our uh all our assets into one basket if you will we're going to diversify across and bring in a number of influencers and show how important we are as and, and sort of bring in all the partnerships all the distribution deals and give them to a number of creators it's the same thing that one of the reasons why that we joined the hubspot podcast network is because the belief is is that hubspot has a little bit more to offer because they have more systems in place, they have more uh, relationships in place, and then we can come in as one of their creators and they can diversify across 50 different ones. So it's just interesting the way that this goes. And of course, the the uh, the Smith, Jada and, and Will uh, Smith company, if you will, media company, most of those deals have Will Smith in the background as sort of a key player. Sure. So... Of course, streaming got hit, as the article talks about streaming got hit across the board and their revenues got hit across the board because of that, but also because of the fact that that creator, Will Smith in this case, is connected with every piece of asset in that media company. So you're really not diversifying. So I think if you're creating a media company today, you have to be really serious about, okay, are we tied to any one creator? And back to your point about Pat McAfee. now. It's, it's it's super interesting to me. You know, the, um, the article talks about Tucker Carlson's having some problems in building an audience outside right. of Fox. Well, yeah. Th- yeah. look at the two models. Pat McAfee yeah. built an audience first outside of a major news network and then comes into ESPN and grows significantly because of it. Tucker Carlson had a big audience because of Fox, gets off of Fox, has trouble de- building an own, his own audience because his audience is back watching Fox on television and not like going to new channels where where Tucker is producing his content. So it's really interesting. and so I can see a media company being built uh, from a, a number of influencers and creators that have first built their own audiences and then come to all come together to build something great. But if you are a traditional media person and then you're saying, oh, I'm going to come off of that media site. I'm going to come off of that distribution and build my own network, That's a very difficult thing to do.
1: Yeah. Well, and you, I mean, you said it well, right? A bit Because if you look at the, if you look at the, the, uh, and, and the Pat McAfee versus Tucker Carlson is a, I mean, and I'm sure this is the first time anywhere somebody has used these two in a, <laughs> in, in a singular case study. So let's, but fascinating nonetheless. Um, but if you look at Pat McAfee and Tucker Carlson, one went one way and one went the other way. Right. In other words, they both had audiences but one went one tried to take the audience out of the media company to build something and then one took his audience that he had built into something right and so one is one is much easier than the other in other words it is much easier for a pat mcafee to take an audience and make it part of uh you know a a, a larger group a larger you know a larger network if you will of other content creators than it is for a content creator to move out of an independent uh, or, or excuse me, a network and become independent and start to build a media company. Right. So one way is easy and I'm t- neither is easy, but one is easier than the other. And and so the the key and I think you're this is what you're really getting at is as if you're in either situation. You need to make a decision about what it is you want to do from a business standpoint, right? You need to act actually ask yourself because there, there, there comes a time where you will want to make one of those decisions, right? You know, if you're part of a larger, let's say, you know, you're a you're a relatively well thought out influencer, well-known person within a larger organization. And we know plenty of those people, right? That, you know, that were quote unquote thought leader or mini celebrities within a big company, you know, Scott Monty, for example, when he was at Ford, you know, and all of those things, when you're a, a larger than life personality within a big company, and then you move out to become your own, that's one thing, right? To build it. Yep. Cause, cause in many ways that platform, you will take some audience with you, but you, the, the major goal then becomes to how do you start rallying people around your, you know, becoming your audience, not the audience of the network that you were part of and your audience. And that's the problem that Tucker faces right now is that what he's realizing. And I think what, you know, I don't know know if he's realizing it or not, but, but, but what you can observe is that it's hard that, that those Fox audience members are loyal to Fox, not necessarily Tucker. And the other side. And they're loyal to the, they're,
0: they're loyal to the way they engage with content. I right. think it's a bigger it better, thing. They're not going to change yes. their
1: habits. Much better. That that said much better. That You yeah. said that much better. And so, but the other way, then you look at Pat McAfee, who built a very loyal audience to him, his brand, his show, and basically, you know, created YouTube, created a podcast, do, did all the things, pulling it into a network basically gives the network the opportunity to then, you know integrate that audience into the broader audience and that is also a challenge because we've seen that fail too and and a great case study of that is Casey Neistat right who had this amazingly huge audience and still does I would suspect for as an independent but you bring him into CNN and and he becomes part of CNN and it didn't work at all and that's a it's just a really interesting dynamic and, and one to think about as you're building your business.
0: Well, and I think the that CNN tried to change some of the things that Casey was doing. and that Exactly. Was a downfall.
1: Yeah. Exactly. Is Casey.
0: I think if Casey was allowed to be Casey. Yes. Um, not that I know the particulars of that deal. I think it would have been more successful. And that's, by the way, I think why Pat McAfee has been so successful with ESPN, because he basically kept being Pat McAfee. That's right. And I think what's really interesting about what ESPN did there is they got rid of a lot of their high-priced talent. And they said, okay, well, let's go find – they didn't have to spend a lot of money to get – Pat McAfee wanted the distribution. Right. It's like, great, we'll take Pat McAfee. We don't have to pay some of these people millions of dollars a year. Bring them in, and we've just saved a ton of money, and we've added a whole new audience chunk. I mean, the the media companies of tomorrow are just a collection of creator influencers.
1: That's right. That's right. Um, and it's why Joe Rogan, basically why spot, why Joe Rogan worked, right? Because Spotify let Joe be Joe, right? You know, independent of what you think of Joe Rogan, that they, that's what they did. They just sort of let him be, you know, they just sort of set him loose and basically started to realize the benefits of the huge audience that he had and the audience acquisition that they could do. They could start to leverage now that they had him sort of exclusive.
0: Exactly. So yeah, it's, it's just, it's, it's interesting to see, but the only thing that I have to correct you on Uh-oh. is that you said it's easier for somebody like Pat McAfee. I mean that the model creating a, an audience from basically nothing is really, really hard. No,
1: no, 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 I don't <laughs> mean it's easy. No, 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 I don't mean it's easier to once create an audience. Once you're
0: there, once you're there you have the audience.
1: And my, then, my point is, know. is that it's easier to make one transition than the other. Yes. in other words if you have an we audience have it's audience. much easier to make the transition into a network as long as the network allows you to be you and and allows the brand to be the brand and basically integrates you in the right way it's much harder i would argue to make the transition from you're a tucker carlson and you're part of a network and you're trying to break out on your own because you because just to your point you have to start all over again basically
0: yeah i think the one th- the 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 marketing angle with this thing that I wanted to get your take on is I don't think enough wh- you have a lot of brands out there that are spending money on content marketing initiatives and they're building up their internal influencers. But mm. I don't think that they're seeing the opportunities with traditional media. To say, oh, okay, let's say you're Autodesk and you've got an amazing influencer there that's got a great podcast and doing really well. Well, wouldn't that be an opportunity to look at some of the engineering publications out there and raise that up a level and get them involved as not just the Autodesk spokesperson, but somebody that can speak for the entire industry as part of a media channel. That hasn't been done before in most cases because they, people think it's a slant, but you have more and more like real uh, the media representatives that are talking about both sides and they're not just pitching product anymore. I
1: think it's been, I think it's been really, I mean, you've seen that, right? They're, they're in, in the B2B world, you've seen that. So Salesforce is a great example of that. LinkedIn also did it um, in many ways. So uh, Salesforce is one I know a little better where they built a network of, let's call them celebrity sort of thought leaders, right? Yeah. And I think their titles were like evangelist or, uh, you know, that sort of thing. And they became sort of the evangelist of whatever the point of view of the company was. And I think that's part of the problem is, is that there wasn't really a clarity in terms of that story, what the story was going to be, what the brand was going to be and how they were going to approach it. It was, it was all a bit fuzzy. Um, and so but that's the idea that they tried, right? You know, and they, there was a number of them. Brian Solis was one for a while. Uh, Matthew Sweezy was a, uh, was one for a while. And so the idea was they would write books. They would write articles for Harvard business review. They would speak at conferences. They would be, you know, they would write for other publications and they would talk about the things that the business wanted to talk about, but not necessarily, you know, in a, in a salesy or marketing way, they would just become, they would become the you know the the sort of celebrities if you will of that business um and of that approach and it i, I think it's worked with very mixed results for most for most companies
0: i would agree with you it's been most of the cases, it's not succeeded because I think they're, most brands take a short term perspective.
1: Agreed. And Agreed. they don't commit it's, to it. That's Matthew right.
0: Sweezy is a really good example of that. I thought Salesforce had something down with that. Matthew was really a wonderful thought leader in the Web3 space. And then all of a sudden, Salesforce said, hey, we're going to go a different direction. That's right. Screw all, screw the years that we put into that one. Yes. Even though they had the book and the speaking and everything was working great. Now Matthew's doing fine without Salesforce, but
1: of course they're all a, are. They're, they're all doing fine. Yeah. Yeah. Because yeah, yeah, they're we, great content creators. Yeah.
0: And it comes back to the same thing. You have most of these companies, publicly traded companies, they're only looking nine to twelve months out, if most, if they're looking outside the quarter. And they're not, they're not saying, Hey, let's invest in this program for three to five years.
1: Right. Like, well, they're, not,
0: they're not doing that. They won't do that.
1: And and or leaning in and committing to it, right? Commit, you know, like really going all in on it, right? In other words, really trying to build up those people, you know, and, and and that's a hard thing for a business to do. let me be be perfectly clear. It's a hard thing for business to to do because going all in and leaning in on it means (laughs) in a weird way, marketing them like you would a product, right? You have to, you have to put the promotion and the effort into marketing those people and as we've talked about, that is a real risk because again, you have the Aaron Rodgers effect, right? You know, what happens if those people go suddenly off the rails and you know start doing and and a lot of those companies just don't have that appetite for risk to sink that much investment into people that they ultimately don't control.
0: Correct. And the ones that do take that risk, I think, are the ones that are gonna benefit. And, I think yes, that's true. It won't work out every once in a while, and nothing ever does. Yeah. But I think those, especially those B two B companies out there that say, "Hey, we're going to look at some of these internal creators and put marketing behind them," yes, behind getting their books out and getting them on the speaking tour and getting them placed in media. I think those are going to see the they're they're going to reap the rewards because most companies won't right. do that.
1: hundred percent agree with that. A hundred percent agree with that. All right. All right. Well, Fun. Well, speak. Well, speaking of promotions and you know getting everybody out there and and investing and doubling down we we probably should double down and pay a couple of bills here don't you think let's pay the bills all right Your sales software should not be a bummer. When you step inside your CRM, you should feel equipped to do your best work. That's the magic of HubSpot Sales Hub. The new Sales Hub is designed to help you win. With an intuitive prospecting workspace and AI-powered tools to reduce your workload, closing big deals is no big deal at all. Get AI-powered tools like ChatSpot that are tailor-made to help you automate steps across the sales pipeline so teams can take back their time and spend it on more impactful tasks. Close more deals and get on track for your best Q1 yet. Learn about HubSpot Sales Hub at hubspot.com/sales. What a great new podcast for 2024. Well, try Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture, brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture, well, it features husband and wife team Al and Leanne Elliott as they dispel myths, impart wisdom, and answer all your questions about finding, keeping, and motivating great people. Just like Joe and I, one of their recent episodes featured their predictions about what trends will dominate the 2024 workplace. You can follow Truth, Lies, and Workplace Culture wherever you get your favorite podcasts. <music> Let me tell you about StreamYard. Yes, StreamYard. It's the easiest way to create content, and it's right in your browser. You can multi-stream to your social media platforms, host a weekly show with special guests, create webinars, record podcasts with local recordings, create videos, and so much more. I mean, you might even start a show with your friend, and 10 years later, here you are still doing the same darn thing. That's right, StreamYard makes it simple to get professional and polished content every single time. Joe and I have been using StreamYard for this old marketing and the YouTube channel as well as live streaming to LinkedIn. We never knew how easy it could actually be. Just go to Streamyard.com slash the tilt and receive a lifetime. That's right, a lifetime discount.
0: You know, I could cut that ad off sooner, but I got to wait for the end. Because I got to get the last. Yeah. Like Mike. You got to be like Mike. Isn't that? That's what I think of at the end. I always think of it. It's a Nike commercial. Yeah.
1: Something like that. Yeah, It's it's an earworm. It gets into your head for sure. It's just
0: such a fun. And not to, uh, you know, talk up uh, StreamYard anymore, but I mean, we're having some, I mean, our YouTube channel feel like it's, it's really starting to, to it's, move.
1: It's cooking a little bit. Yeah. It's, it's cooking. Co- it's we're it's starting, starting to cook.
0: Get, get more subscribers. We've got
1: our shorts. Uh, Kelsey Brothers, here we come. That are, That's that what do. I'm oh, just we're, saying. We're, we're
0: going for them. We're yeah. actually looking at that Kelsey Brothers model. There, what's what's their podcast called?
1: New Heights. New Heights. It's a fantastic Heights. podcast. Got the, I, and the the funny thing is is that so I have a so not to get into football again. So of all the Eagles players. Uh, he, you know he, he is he is my favorite of that because he's i mean he's an amazing player first of all um and uh and and, and basically he's really the only guy I, I root for and he's just so entertaining on his podcast and then of course the younger brother jason is is you know um or travis rather sorry. travis travis, travis, is, travis is, swift <laughs> travis swift yeah is is basically he's funny too and you know i i love i love Kansas City as a team mostly because I have such a fondness for Andy Reed the coach there but but uh but Travis Kelsey's great he's great don't you the, what podcast about, is amazing
0: don't you like uh Jalen Hulu has live sports don't you like uh like I love that. <laughs> Jalen hurts
1: who, who no did you
0: ever see that commercial
1: no no oh my I God.
0: So it, it's it's whatever. But hurt, you know, Jalen Hurts is the quarterback yeah. for but of course, they, they yes, take yes. they take the back of his jersey and they pull it off and it's it's Hulu has live sports. And <laughs> they say, okay, you gotta you gotta see it. You gotta see it because it's hard to describe. But yeah. he did a whole he did a whole commercial. He Baker Mayfield did it, started it, and then Jalen Hurts took it over okay hey did you know hulu has live sports the h-u-r does he have
1: does he have sad face in that commercial because he's always got sad faces he's, he's very like, serious always sad it's
0: a very serious hulu has live sports i see commercial. all right so anyways we'll we'll see for that but uh, but yeah there you go all right there you, what's next? There you have it all right yeah
1: let's talk about uh, well let's talk about uh streaming media shall we um and uh a couple of uh stories that will pair together here the first one on netflix uh this comes to us courtesy of bloomberg And basically Netflix has announced that they're cutting over a hundred shows in a major programming shift. I mean, so first of all, the fact that a hundred shows is a percentage of their shows is of new shows is is already amazing. But anyway, um, The article opens up by saying, over the last 18 months, we have grown accustomed to hearing about cuts at almost every major media company. Walt Disney has fired thousands, trimmed billions from its budget. Warner Brothers Discovery has done the same, albeit at a smaller scale. This purge, in many ways, started with Netflix, which lost customers in the first half of 2022, but while its peers have talked about how much they would cut back on programming, Netflix has not. It cut some staff, stopped growing its budget, but it really didn't do a big purge. Well, it turns out even the unquenchable Netflix is starting to make less. We'll have to. We'll. Uh, as, I don't know why he's uh, uh, writers. Uh, <laughs> well, well, the fact that he actually asked to write the sentence. We'll have more on that in a moment, uh, as always. Uh, anyway, yeah. um, basically, the article goes on to, after after the break for some reason (laughs) that basically Netflix is going to cut more than a hundred shows from its slate. uh, And a hundred shows is a a, a lot. Um, And basically the company released about 130 fewer original programs in 2023 than the year before. It's a dip of 16%. So uh, after increasing the number of new original programs for the last decade, output fell in every quarter last year. Uh, Netflix released fewer movies, TV shows, documentaries, and stand-up specials in the final three months of 2023. And they're going to continue to do this, basically said, uh, there's one obvious reason for this decline. While the company has said the strikes by writers and actors didn't impact its slate much, um, output fell off a bit more than the second half than the first. Uh, 60 fewer series in the second half of last year. Uh, et cetera, et cetera. And basically they go on, the article goes on to talk about how this is literally, you know, you could, this should surprise no one because it, it is, it is, it has been expected for some time. The actor strike certainly has an effect on this, but more than anything else, this is just, it was an unsustainable model of, of, of growth in terms of the content being acquired and, or created, um, and the billions getting spent on it. With the amount of subscribers and subscri- uh, sub- streaming subscriptions that there are out there in the world. So we'll pair this basically with another story that I'll cover very quickly here. Um, fascinatingly enough, uh, again, with the news, um, I'm going to read from a Wall Street Journal and Joe is going to show. I have <laughs> I, I I'm showing
0: a business insider because right. I have access to business insider and I don't have, access and to I have wall access street to wall street,
1: and street and journal it, yeah. and I refuse to get a subscription to business insider. Cause I think they're hacks, yeah. but that's you praise know.
0: for gated content. There we Thank go. Thank you. Media companies.
1: Yeah, there you have it. So Amazon is basically eliminating hundreds of jobs across film, television studios, Twitch streaming platform, all in an effort to rein in costs. And that article basically goes on to talk about how in a very similar, almost identical way that, uh, we just talked about with Netflix that they're cutting back on costs because of the unsustainable growth model there. And, and it's interesting to me mostly because for Twitch, Amazon, Amazon prime video streaming, it's a much different model than it is for Netflix. Um, and so this surprises it, if I was not at all surprised that, Uh, Netflix is doing this. It doesn't, it really doesn't surprise me that Amazon is doing this because this is a marketing program for them and it's doing fine. It's doing great uh, in terms of what it's doing. So this is easy for them to start removing some of the duplication that they got from their acquisitions and and from MGM, for example, and, uh, getting rid of some of the duplication that they had from Twitch and and all of that and sort of just streamlining the operations a lot. So it's, it, it's, uh, it's, it's very much expected. What do, what do you think about all this and what it means for streaming media networks?
0: Well, it, it reminds me, uh, I was at National Manufacturing Week in Chicago in 2000. So let's go back 24 years. And it was boom times in manufacturing. Yeah. And that year, everyone got the biggest booth they could. And they brought in more people than ever before. And everybody was over-investing in their marketing at that time. Well, 21. 21- 001, 02 hit. We went into a little bit of a recession, if you will, and everybody then went back to what they were doing before, with with uh, and not over investing. You and I talk about this all the time. They they right size the business at that point. Yeah, it's like oh, when you have so much money and there's so much, uh, uh, I don't know what it is, over enthusiastic uh, belief in what you're going to do from that standpoint. There's only so much money that people can spend on streaming so everyone's cutting back a little bit so that's one story so you're going to see it over and over and you have been right you've got netflix cutting back uh and and now that everyone else is cutting netflix is owning that whole territory they can do whatever they want to except for the fact that i think their biggest competition is tiktok yeah and i don't know of how many people we've talked about that on this show i don't think a lot of people are thinking about it tiktok has multiple revenue streams and Netflix doesn't have that opportunity yet. First of all, Netflix is fine. They're doing just fine. They're almost in an all-time high from the stock price. Uh, revenues, profits are at an all-time high. That's not an issue. I'm thinking a couple of years down the road as TikTok gets even more influential than they are now, they've got not only the sponsored revenue stream, they've got retail. I mean, their, their shopping is bo- is going to boom and take off and then Amazon's going to be concerned about them if they not aren't already. So I think from the, Netflix has to move around some of these assets to figure out how in the long term they're going to have to deal with with a surging TikTok, And I don't know what they're going to do. So that's kind of a, a separate issue. But it, it's amazing to me that you've got you know, what's who's not mentioned App, Apple TV plus. They they barely generate any content on that at all. And they're still getting people to sign up for it. I mean, if yeah, you look well, at their shows, they rarely have a new show. That's right. I mean, it's like once every couple of weeks, if they have a new show. While you yes. have Netflix, has five new shows a day, and they're bringing in all sorts of new content. So it's just well. And,
1: and again, this is this gets to this gets to why it's so surprised or so surprised. It's not so surprising for Netflix, but even more not so for for Amazon because Apple's the same way, right? If for Apple, Apple TV is literally content that feeds hardware sales. So yep. in many ways you you can say it's slightly different. It's not really a marketing play for getting people to sign up, but it is getting people to stay loyal to Apple Hardware. Right. And so that that, you know, it's very much like the app store for them. You know, it, it's all about content that is only available through Apple Hardware. And and so that's their that's their goal there is to create that relationship with that audience that is stronger than just a hardware purchase. And so it makes no sense for them to try and compete against the netflixes of the world because a they just won't they just won't compete there and they don't have to they're not they're not built to do that they don't have to do that it doesn't have to be you know it can be a smaller success for them and so as long as they sort of stick to their apple brand and put in you know critically acclaimed and you know sort of stick yeah. to their content guns there it becomes a very clear strategy for them and i think for the others you know the disney's the you know i, I think disney's actually in the in most interesting position here right because they have some big decisions to make this year in terms of what what's going to happen right you know it, you know the stock is low uh i think all time low as we as we talk about this and if they don't start doing something right and making things happen and the and it's woefully undervalued i would say yeah your predictions of acquisition certainly not by apple but but your oh, your predictions I, of acquisition are almost certainly going to come true at some point because they've they have to do something this year or, or or uh or you know and so it'll be very interesting to see if they acquire or whether they add or whether they try and be more competitive you know it, it, it's going to be very interesting to watch disney over the next well we've been months. talking
0: about this for a couple of years i believe that this is the year that disney gets sold
1: Yeah, it may be up
0: that way. Their 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 stock is set up for a way that they can be easily purchased. Um, It's not like New York Times or anything like that, where there's all kinds of complex rules on who owns the company or who owns.
1: That's right. So I think same with Warner Discovery, by the way. Same with Warner Discovery,
0: exactly. But I I think what's interesting is everything you said I agree with, except when you look at what happened on um, with Amazon. Prime video watching what they have found over and over again is the more people that watch stuff on prime, they're better shoppers. They're more loyal shoppers. They yield as much. They spend twice as much. And Apple doesn't have to go there yet, but they will. And they'll realize that the more people that they can get watching their stuff streaming, they become a better customer of theirs. Apple, I mean, they have the best yields. They're a luxury brand, best yields in the business. Yeah but it's not always going to be that way. And I think that they're going to have to take the next step to say, okay, how do we create a better moat around what we're doing? And I think that's where Disney comes in. I absolutely think that Apple is looking at Disney right now and saying, we have an opportunity at a severely discounted price to buy maybe the best IP in the world and, and a streaming platform that's already good to go. Yeah. Uh, And there's a great overlap between Disney and Apple customers already. So I think that if they look at that and they're serious about it, they already can afford it. They have the money to do it. It'll get approval by Disney if Apple comes to the table. And I think in 24, late 24 is when you're going to see Apple finally consummate (laughs) that marriage that was meant to be from the very beginning.
1: There we go. There we are. All right. (laughs) <laughs> I didn't even expect
0: to say that. It just naturally came up in conversation.
1: Of course, well, you can't help yourself. That's the that's the problem. Is you can't you you literally because can't it's a no brainer. Yourself. It's an it's, absolute it's no just brainer. It's Not going to happen. It's just not going to happen. Why why the, is
0: Apple not creating more? They all the stuff that we're talking. They know the what's going on at Amazon. They know the people that watch that that stream stuff that they become. I, I better don't customers. think. Look, why doesn't Apple do more of that? because
1: i don't think apple wants to be in the theme park business apple does not want to be in the theme park business it does not it clearly doesn't want to be in the experience business right it just clearly doesn't
0: oh yeah because when you yeah because if they did when you go to apple headquarters they'd have some kind of an experience besides which is another prediction you
1: made that yeah yes exactly but what
0: i would say is there's a play here for apple to come in and take the streaming business and leave and and leave the parks for somebody else. I don't and that. that I set don't up, think so. And no. Iger no. Iger has been coming in to make a clear separation on those businesses. He, I, you can take that. He's streaming not going to break it and up and it sell
1: off. it for parts, though. No, uh, no way. I cannot see that happening. I I would I'll, I'll bet another steak dinner on that, that. That that
0: experiences business is completely separate. You can have all agreed sorts of deal. You could you could have all sorts of deals between the IP that goes to streaming and the IP that goes to the events businesses. It's not going to be a
1: problem. I, I I don't disagree with that at all. But but I just don't think they're going to do it. I don't think he's going to. I don't think he's going to break it apart. Who I Iger? Break it apart. Iger yeah. was brought back in to split it apart. No, he wasn't. It, it, uh, no. No, like, no, no. They're no. like Iger, save us. He was brought. He was brought in to sell it. That there's. I think that's that's true. He was brought in to sell the thing. But I don't think he's been. I don't think he. I I, I just don't see that happening. I don't see that happening with the legacy of Disney of them. Breaking apart the the Disney experience of the parks with the IP of the content, it's just, it just those two things are too every, intricately locked.
0: Nobody in the going to Disney World is going to know a difference. That doesn't matter
1: at all. It does matter because if different companies own it, then it becomes a different. It becomes a very tenuous relationship.
0: Hmm. I don't know. Yeah, I, I think it's. Yeah. I think. I think that that's. Would the, I fine. wouldn't take
1: that risk. We are you? Te- are you kidding me? I buy the parks and it's then all, and, and without the, without the IP to back it up. And and basically then somebody okay. else is going to own the IP okay, you've convinced content me that, that I'm leveraging.
0: You've convinced me. Apple's going to keep the parks
1: and then, <laughs> and they're going to okay. create
0: the best new experience that's, that's ever seen. You go to Apple headquarters oh my and you're going to have the Steve jobs experience.
1: Wah 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 It's Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah 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 wah. All right, um, can't we're gonna we cannot wait. Yeah, you cannot wait. Cannot wait till you eat crow. Yeah, I will. I will eat the crow. Literally live here on YouTube streaming. That'll
0: be a special episode, folks. A special episode. it's gonna be the best episode ever.
1: All right, let's All right. hey, let's let's move along here to something. Uh, we're gonna link in the show notes because this is a really cool story that you should go read. Um, we don't have time to cover it, but it basically CNBC uh, has announced that it will debut its first paid course as part of a new educational venture, uh, and it's yeah. basically. Uh, It's called How to Ace Your Job Interview. This is their first course, which is basically going to provide interview tips, tricks, insights into hiring managers and guidance and to handle tricky interview questions and just a really interesting education. It's a paid for course. So this is CNBC branching out, getting into online education. Fascinating media company doing this, you know, offering up educational products. Fantastic content marketing example. Um, and, uh, or a productization of media, sort of the opposite of content marketing in, in, from a brand perspective. So go check it out, read it, it, and know about it because it's really, it's really interesting. But let's get to our question. We have a wonderful question from our audience member, from uh, our friend and family of the show, Robert Riggs. Uh, and I think you've got that teed up. Yeah. I've got it teed up. Let's go.
2: Howdy from Dallas, Texas. This is Robert Riggs with the True Crime Reporter podcast. Joe, you mentioned a couple of, uh, Episodes back about attending Author Nation and how some of the authors are using Kickstarter and other means to raise money from their fans and their readers uh, to underwrite their books. Would you expand on that, what you heard there, and what are the best platforms for doing that? I'm interested in trying to do that for some of my podcast series. Also, I could not agree with you more about your 2024 prediction on print. I did an experiment in 2023 where I gave away a true crime uh, column uh, twice monthly to a very popular weekly paper here in Dallas Uh, because I'm giving it away. They included uh, a QR code to go straight to the subscription page of my podcast. It is work. So 2024, I'm expanding this. I'm working on deals with other uh, papers around the country, as well as magazines and some regional websites. And I would think for, Your listeners that are in online marketing, certainly some of these business journals would really welcome free content because they, frankly, they just can't afford it. They need it. I look forward to
1: your responses. Happy New Year.
0: Any chance we can get him.
1: I I mean, you're right. I mean, it's like any chance you get him on the show. It's like
0: If one of us, for some reason, if one of us can't do the show one time, I think we should just have Robert Riggs. Robert, come
1: on. Yeah, right. Yeah.
0: yeah. Maybe you and you do have the Robert show. Robert or, or,
1: or he just takes my place. Right. I mean, because he would, it would be easy for you to remember the name at that
0: point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, of course. With my memory issues. Yeah, you're absolutely right. right. Um, Robert, first of all, thank you for the question. Uh, Yes. I went to author nation a month plus ago, if you will. And and by the way, the author nation is the new name. It was called uh, 20 books. I think it's 20 books. Yeah. So anyways, they changed their name to author nation. The point is I sat through dozens of sessions And what's amazing with all these authors, and most of them are fiction authors, they were all talking about direct sales of some kind. And when I say direct sales, it wasn't just selling their book directly on their own website. It was doing something like you're talking about with Kickstarter, which I'll get to in a second, or putting their own membership sites together, anywhere that they can have a direct connection with their reader. And not that, I mean, there were 30, 40 people from Amazon there. It's not that they were being, there were still sessions on how to get found in Amazon, but I I have never seen, Robert, I've never seen something switch so quickly from, oh, I've got to make sure I understand Amazon and get my book out to Amazon toward how, how do I deliver this unique experience to my readership and at the same time get that direct connection like we've been talking about with social media since forever. So it's interesting that that move has been made and uh, Kickstarter is a great place. Actually, had a uh, had this keyed up. I wanted to see if I can bring this up, so I'll show it um, here. If you're on the YouTube channel at this old marketing, check this out. So this is Brian Kofsky, one of our. Is it Brian? I want to make sure I get this right. Yeah, Brian Kofsky shared this with me, Robert, and I had not seen this example, but this is Brandon Sanderson, who's a fiction writer, and he launched this Kickstarter program and he launched it last year for his 2023 books and he put together a whole series of things that would happen in 2023 if you signed up and supported i think he had a goal of like a couple hundred thousand and which is significant right to get a number of followers to sign up he ended up having 185 000 backers pledge 41 million dollars <laughs> to his kickstarter page and by the way this is very elaborate you know you get you know, you you can get just there's packages from just getting the ebook all the way to, um, you know, five hundred dollars where you're getting all the formats, where you're getting special print productions and all that. I mean, it it's substantial and probably at this point would cost him a million dollars to put together. But you know there's, there's, there's $40 million left over really significant. (laughs) And it doesn't have to be just books, right? Uh, Robert Riggs, you mentioned podcast. You can do this for getting a podcast off the ground for any kind of new project, you know, whether it's one of your true crime shows that you're trying to get off the ground where you can go and target your current audience with an offer and get them closer to some kind of experience that you can offer that, that you're not offering to other people and giving them limited access to something. This is really something else um, there's a lot of other things out there than Kickstarter. I'm familiar with Kickstarter. I know some of the folks over there. I really trust what they're doing. I really like their actual, their focus um, on the publishing market in and of itself. Um, so I think that's interesting. So I would recommend Kickstarter from that standpoint. Um, and then, yeah, so it's just this focus on direct. And it's not that you ignore Amazon or b and uh, Barnes & Noble or anything else with your books, if you will, from that standpoint. It's that that, That's not where you're targeting your current fans. You don't wanna send your current fans and followers off to another platform to buy your stuff where you don't get the direct connection, you don't get the data and you don't get half the revenue. You wanna keep that revenue for yourself. So a lot of people are doing that through direct sales like Kickstarter or selling from their website. The other thing I would mention, uh, what was the other question on print? Really brilliant. And a lot of, when I talk about print for the most part, especially coming from the brand magazine side, I often talk about launching your own magazine, which of course I think is an opportunity, but I think what you're talking about, I think is even better. And it's a little more feasible for a lot of thought leaders out there is, is there media relevant to what you're doing right now? in your market of somehow they're, they're all having trouble with their business models. We've talked about it many times on this show, the traditional media, especially on the print side, magazines or newspapers are having problems and they're looking to do what ESPN did where they're saying, we're going to get rid of some of this high price talent and how do we leverage influence and creators out there? So I think that there is an opportunity like with what you said to go after some of these print magazines. When I was getting started, I had deals with two or three magazines where I would write a, a, a monthly column on content marketing. And that was a way for me to get out in front of new audiences. And it was sort of a barter share and it worked really well. So I would look at those opportunities right now. And I think there's probably more of those right now than I've ever been before because of the fact that those media companies do need content and they don't want to pay money for it. They can't pay money for it with the business model. I don't know if you have a take on that, Robert.
1: No, I think that's what I, I think the partnership idea is, is huge. And I when obviously uh, would agree with everything you just said. I mean, you know much more about this than I do. But the only cautionary thing I would I would put out there is the natural tendency is to look at this Kickstarter thing and say, Oh, this is something we can do regularly. It's like, I don't think you can. I think you can do this once or twice or certainly not very frequently. So If you're going to do it, make it big, go, you know, go big or go home and and make and make it a thing. Um, And don't think about this as like, you know, a way to a way to pay the monthly bills kind of thing. Well, I talked with the Kickstarter. I had a call with them a couple months ago just because I was
0: fascinated by what some of these authors and content creators are doing. And they were saying that it's a it's project based. Yeah. So like if you're going to do a documentary or yeah. you're going to do uh, an and like a rep- a one time report. It doesn't work as well for ongoing content initiatives. It doesn't work as well for podcasts, although they do have podcasts on there. But if you're going to do something for a podcast, you would do something like the first season. You would do it like that. It ha- keep it project based and not like an ongoing thing. And I think you'll be more successful with it. Yeah, it's a good point.
1: All right. Okay, thank you for that question, Robert. And as yep. always, the dulcet tones of your amazing voice. Um, and, <laughs> and by the way, if you have not looked at his podcast, it's it's an amazing podcast. But So so just a, a shout out for that as well. Um, all right, uh, very quickly here, Rance and Rays. I'm going to go first okay. uh, and uh, so that we get to Rance and Rays and, and stay a little bit on time here. Um, so this the article that we'll link to in the show notes uh, is going to be from Digiday. And the article is basically coming out of CES, so it's the news coming out of CES, and and basically it's the headline is, we're in the middle of a storm right now as Google phases out third-party cookies. Dun-dun-dun, cue dramatic music, cue everybody with the sort of, uh, you know, Home Alone emoji, uh, shocked face. Uh, and the article opens up by saying changes in the wind as digital media sectors descends on the halls and meeting rooms of the Consumer Electronics Show this week. The impact of Google Chrome withdrawing support for third party cookies will be a consistent topic of conversation among this cohort as each prepares to an entirely different business reality in the next 12 months. For some, the following year, we'll see a renewed period of mergers and acquisitions. And basically, it's been quiet in the ad tech front. And according to this week's annual market report by investment bank Luma Partners uh, of the Lumascape uh, fame, uh, total global deal value in the space—that's the ad tech space, by the way—fell uh, to a 10-year low in 23, with global deal value dropping below three trillion. Uh, with 17% decline from the prior year. Basically, the article goes on at some length, by the way, to talk about the acquisitions that are happening, the deal sizes that are happening, and everybody waving their, you know, it reminds me of the scene from, from this is going to date me, you know, the 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 scene from Stripes, or not Stripes, um, Ghost uh, Ghostbusters. You know, dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Bill Murray. Um And so, you know, here's the thing. We have been it's probably nauseating to hear this again from me and us and and out there that we've been talking about Google deprecating the third party cookie for years uh, and it's finally happening here. And so anybody who's caught unaware or surprised by this uh, is is just fooling themselves and hasn't been paying attention because this has been coming for some time. So. Hopefully, those that are in the ad space, and we're starting to see a lot of change right now because of this. One of the things that I wrote about last week and in, and in, in, uh, for CMI was about sort of the re-rise or the re-popularity of attention metrics. And now with AI and with things like visual eye tracking and things like that, Publishers, media companies are bringing back attention metrics, the old attention metrics from years ago, but now sort of supported with new technologies that can track those things for things like brand recognition, brand recall, product recall, and those kinds of metrics that are becoming so important because we're becoming less uh, able to track, you know, all of this sort of surveillance-based data, third-party data that we have before. And Google, once it starts to deprecate this, you know, in full stop, that's really just going to exacerbate that thing. So I th- the lesson is, if you haven't been doing this, pay attention now, because this is brand advertising, you know, sort of run of site, all those kinds of things are going to become much more popular again. As this startup becomes a thing, we're going to start to see a lot of new sort of Jazz hands as a as it pertains to well we can track the user data this way we can track user data that way pay less attention to that then how do we start creating deeper level brand experiences that basically we can pull people into we're going old school with this advertising thing and this shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody
0: no I wasn't surprised at all <laughs> yeah <laughs> to be honest with yeah. you yeah. No, I'm any anyone that's like, oh, my God, what what's going on here? It's oh, a, the, the
1: a whole oh, my God thing that the, the sort of tenor of this article is, oh, my God, nobody told us that Google was going to deprecate third party cookies uh, this year. Uh, what are we going to do? What's it going to do to the market? What's it going to do to the ad tech market? It's like it's been doing it to the ad tech market. Yeah. It's it. You know, it's it's last year was a great indicator. The year before that was an indicator of that. And it's just sort of like there's it's it reminds me so much of the record companies when they just sort of refused the idea of digital music and how it would change their industry. And they just sort of kept, you know, saying not on my watch, not I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to deal with this. I'm not going to deal with this. And then all of a sudden they had to deal with it. And mm-hmm. so it's, 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 it, it, it it's on us it, it's coming.
0: Yep. It's here. It's here. All right. I love it.
1: Okay. Here's uh
0: here's my little, let me put this uh, article up here. This is from CNBC. And the title is 43 year old used her life savings to open a bar that only plays women sports. First of all, I love this idea. I've uh, been extremely successful. And here's, here's my rant with the article. So the, the, the sports bar is called uh, the sports bra, which I think is just cute. Fantastic. It's cute.
1: No, it's cute. It's yeah.
0: But so, but listen, listen to this part of the article. Here's my rant. The, the, uh, the uh, writer says business has been good, Despite the niche business model and a rec- and record inflation, but the whole despite the niche business business model, that's why it's successful. Because it focused on a particular audience wanting a particular thing instead of focusing on everyone. Right. And it made me think of the whole idea of, uh, let me get rid of this one so we can chat about it. But it's the whole idea and many people have said it, but I'm thinking of when Ann Hanley said, if your content is for everybody, it's for nobody right it's the same type of thing and i don't think a lot of people realize this and this woman did a great job in launching this st- sports bar that only plays uh women's sports and caters to a very particular part of the market and can serve that market better than anyone else because nobody else is there and right. it just it's funny i i have you seen the movie elvis the most recent one
1: uh, no i didn't so, i've seen the trailers for but i never Tom watched Hanks it, in it. It yeah, doesn't yeah, matter. Yeah.
0: At the end of it, uh, they they show some clips from Elvis Presley's life. And John, President John F. Kennedy at the time, when Elvis passed away, said that Elvis was uh, was more unique uh, than anyone else. And that's why he made this impact. You, you couldn't get Elvis just anywhere. He was unique in and of himself. And I thought right. about that over and over again. And I think that's what we as content creators, as content marketers need to focus on. We really do need to be different. And we have to rise above all the content clutter by focusing on a different audience with a different content niche that that doesn't get caught in the clutter that's out there right now. And I love this example for that nature. And that's where the, where the writer gets it wrong. Because yeah. if you just said 43 year old launches a bar, that's the story, right? Nobody's gonna cover that. The, right. the story is because she is doing something different that's not being done. And I think we all have that opportunity. And I think we just need to think, I mean, the biggest issue that you and I run into and we talk and we consult with people on their content initiatives and we look at it and we say, well, how is this any different than the 50 other people in your industry and what they're doing in content? It's not. Right. So just that's stop right.
1: it. Just right. stop
0: it. So anyways. Yeah congratulations to her yeah. name's Jenny Naga, I think it's Nagian and Nagayan so she created the dream bar and did it in 22 and already doing more than a million dollars so congratulations to her for thinking a little bit differently
1: yeah it's a cool idea it's a very cool idea and it brings it it, it highlights so so many things and it is a cool you know it's a it's a cool niche it's a, it's 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 really a, a cool way to do it that's why sure. ESPN,
0: the Ocho would be successful too. Yeah, right. You need to have more yeah, of that. Yeah,
1: yeah that's right. Like, like, that's right.
0: Like, I don't know, water polo playing squirrels or something like that. <laughs> I would love to see that. <laughs>
1: there you go. Who uh, who you, would? Could, you could do a chat image of that. For sure, <laughs> water, pol- water, water yeah, polo. Water polo. That, that will be my.
0: Actually, the, the. I think that what I'm figuring out. I'm trying to figure this algorithm with our titles. And so the weirder the titles, the better they do.
1: Yeah. So I think if right.
0: if our title was water polo playing Plague, squirrels, playing
1: squirrels. It might work.
0: Maybe would you be okay with that? I'm just gonna do that and see what happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Just see what happens. Water polo playing squirrels. Right. It's gonna. And be everybody will be listening this. to the entire episode till they get it's to like, the. Where does this um, come in? One hour and nine minute oh, mark. It's gonna be before... yeah. <laughs> yeah, and that's a that's
0: a really <laughs> that's the, that's the best use for for Dolly. Uh, that's right. For, for AI creation totally. is to give them something weird like that. I'm sure the totally. squirrel will have like 17 fingers, but other than yes.
1: That, I it's have been be getting so into that, by the way. I have been getting so into that. Every time somebody posts an AI picture, I ask for all the I, I want all the story. I, my first comment is always to get the stories behind the story. You know, yeah, why probably. does the why does the person in the back left have three legs? What is that a raccoon on the wall? Is that, <laughs> is <laughs> it's is that so weird? Why, <laughs> why is that book? glued to her hand like a surgically you know it's like it's it's it's. why are they all zombies (laughs) you know what happened to their why is their face melting
0: for our happy new year podcast i did you know i the one that we did with had the little baby on the front the little baby has had in one of the pictures had six toes yeah i'm like (laughs) i mean not that it's not possible to have six toes but why is it always an extra digit
1: that's right it's, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's amazing. And by the way, do, do, here's, here's my favorite. You do a, just ask chat GPT or Dolly for uh, a group of business professionals, young, uh, a group of young business professionals, and then insert doing something, editing a document, uh, working on a whiteboard, uh, uh, you know, eating in a cafe. I guarantee you all the men have beards. Every single man really? has a beard. Yeah. All the men have beards. And the first one you're going to get, by the way, the first one you're going to get are all white guys. And then if you go, can you make the, you know, can you make the group of people more diverse? Then you get like, you know, crazy diversity. Right. But, but it's, it's, it's fascinating to me. This whole AI art generation thing is just, it's fascinating to me. I mean, it, it (laughs) definitely has a look to it. It, You know, it's easy to see We'll be looking back.
0: It's like, Hey, Sonny, remember when our AI art used to have six toes (laughs) <laughs> those were, those were exactly. the good old days. Those were the good old
1: days <laughs> when baby new year had six toes we had water polo playing squirrels.
0: <laughs> remember that squirrel? I loved him, That little All squirrel. Right. Baby. Let's get the dingy, hell out of here. The squirrel. Okay. Uh, I'm
1: done. Oh gosh. Um, thank you very much everybody for listening to the show this week. We will be of course back next week with a wonderful new episode. And until we see you next week, just remember everybody, it's your story to tell, tell it well. We'll see you next week on This Old Marketing.